Chapter Eighteen of the House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter Eighteen: Tidings Brought to the Weinberg. Now it must be told of Otter and they of the Weinberg how they had the tidings of the overthrow of the Romans on the ridge, and that Egil had left them on his way to Wolfstead. They were joyful of the tale, as was like to be, but eager also to strike their stroke at the foeman, and in that mood they abode fresh tidings. It has been told how Otter had sent the bearings and the warmings to the aid of Theodulf and his folk, and these two were great kindreds, and they being gone, there abode with Otter one man with another, thralls and freemen, scant three thousand men. Of these many were bowmen, good to fight from behind a wall or fence or some such cover, but scarce meet to withstand a shock in the open field. However, it was deemed at this time in the Weinberg that Theodulf and his men would soon return to them, and in any case, they said, he lay between the Romans and the Mark, so that they had but little doubt, or rather they feared, that the Romans might draw aback from the Mark before they could be met in battle again, for, as aforesaid, they were eager for the fray. Now it was in the cool of the evening, two days after the battle on the ridge, that the men, both free men and thralls, had been disporting themselves in the plain ground without the burg, in casting the spear and putting the stone, and running races afoot and a horseback, and now close on sunset three young men, two of the laxings and one of the shieldings, and a grey old thrall of that same house, were shooting a match with the bow, driving their shafts at a Russian roundel hung on a pole, which the old thrall had died. Men were peaceful and happy, for the time was fair and calm, and, as aforesaid, they dreaded not the Roman host any more than if they were gods dwelling in Godhome. The shooters were deft men, and they of the burg were curious to note their deftness, and many were breathed with the games wherein they had striven, and thought it good to rest and look on the new sport. So they sat and stood on the grass about the shooters on three sides, and the meat-horn went briskly from man to man, for there was no lack of meat and drink in the burg. Whereas the kindreds that lay nighest to it had brought in abundant provision, and women of the kindreds had come to them, and not a few were there scattered up and down among the carls. Now the shielding men, Geirbald by name, had just loosed at the mark, and had shot straight and smitten the roundel in the midst, and a shout went up from the onlookers thereat, but that shout was, as it were, lined with another, and a cry that a messenger was riding toward the burg. Thereat most men looked round toward the wood, because their minds were set on fresh tidings from Theodulf's company, but, as it happened, it was from the north and the side toward Midmark that they on the outside of the throng had seen the rider coming, and presently the word went from man to man, that so it was, and that the newcomer was a young man on a grey horse, and would speedily be amongst them. So they wondered what the tidings might be. 
but yet they did not break up the throng but abode in their places that they might receive the messenger more orderly and as the rider drew near those who were nice to him perceived that it was a woman so men made way before the grey horse and its rider and the horse was much spent and travel-worn so the woman rode right into the ring of warriors and drew rein there and lighted down slowly and painfully and when she was on the ground could scarce stand for stiffness and two or three of the swains drew near her to help her and knew her at once for Rosild of the wolfings for she was well known as a doughty woman and then she said bring me to utter the war-duke or bring him hither to me which were best since so many men are gathered together and meanwhile give me to drink for i am thirsty and weary so while one went for otter another reached to her the meat-horn and she had scarce done her draught ere otter was there for they had found him at the gate of the burg he had many a time been in the wolfing hall so he knew her at once and said hail rosild how farest thou she said i fare as the bearer of evil tidings bid thy folk do on their war-gear and saddle their horses and make no delay for now presently shall the roman host be in midmark then cried otter blow up the war-horn get ye all to your weapons and be ready to leap on your horses and come ye to the thing in good order kindred by kindred later on ye shall hear rosild's story as she shall tell it to me therewith he led her to a grassy knoll that was hard by and set her down thereon and himself beside her and said speak now damsel and fear not for now shall one fate go over us all either to live together or die together as the free children of tyr and friends of the almighty god of the earth how camest thou to meet the romans and know of their ways and to live thereafter she said thus it was the whole sun besought her how that the eastern ways into midmark that bring a man to the thicket behind the roof of the bearings are no wise hard even for an host so she sent ten women and me the eleventh to the bearing dwelling and the road through the thicket aforesaid and we were to take of the bearings day at homes whomso we would that were handy and then all we to watch the ways for fear of the romans and methinks she has had some vision of their ways though mayhap not altogether clear anyhow we came to the bearing dwellings and they gave us of their folk eight doughty women and two light-foot lads and so we were twenty and one in all so then we did as the whole sun bade us and ordained a chain of watchers far up into the waste and these were to sound a point of war upon their horns each to each till the sound thereof should come to us who lay with our horses hoppled ready beside us in the fair plain of the mark outside the thicket to be short the horns waked us up in the midst of yesternight and of the watches also came to us the last which had heard the sound amidst the thicket and said that it was certainly the sound of the goth's horn and the note agreed on therefore i sent a messenger at once to the wolfing roof to say what was to what but to thee i would not write until i had made sure of the tidings so i waited a while and then rode into the wildwood and a long tale i might make both of the waiting and the riding had i time thereto but this is the end of it that going warily 
a little past where the thicket thinneth and the road endeth i came on three of those watches or links in the chain we had made and half of another watch or link that is to say six women who were come together after having blown their horns and fled though they should rather have abided in some lurking place to espy whatever might come that way and one other woman who had been one of the watch much farther off and had spoken with the furthest of all which one had seen the faring of the roman host and that it was very great and no mere band of pillagers or of scouts and said this fleer who was indeed half wild with fear that while they were talking together came the romans upon them and saw them and a band of romans beat the wood for them when they fled and she the fleer was at point to be taken and saw two taken indeed and hailed off by the roman scourers of the wood but she escaped and so came to the others on the skirts of the thicket having left of her skin and blood on many a thorn-bush and rock by the way now when i heard this i bade this fleer get her home to the bearings as swiftly as she might and tell her tale and she went away trembling and scarce knowing whether her feet were on earth or on water or on fire but belike failed not to come there as no romans were before her but for the others i sent one to go straight to wolfstead on the heels of the first messenger to tell the whole son what had befallen and other five i set to lurk in the thicket whereas none could lightly lay hands on them and when they had new tidings to flee to wolfstead as occasion might serve them and for myself i tarried not but rode on the spur to tell thee hereof but my last word to thee otter is that by the whole son's bidding the bearings will not abide fire and steel at their own stead but when they hear true tidings of the romans being hard at hand will take with them all that is not too hot or too heavy to carry and go their ways unto wolfstead and the tidings will go up and down the mark on both sides of the water so that whatever is of avail for defence will gather there at our dwelling and if we fall goodly shall be the how draped over us even if ye come not in time now have i told thee what i needs must and there is no need to question me more for thou hast it all do thou what thou hast to do with that word she cast herself down on the grass by the mountainside and was presently asleep for she was very weary but all the time she had been telling her tale had the horn been sounding and there were now a many warriors gathered and more coming in every moment so otter stood up on the mount after he had bidden a man of his house to bring him his horse and war-gear and abided a little till as might be said the whole host was gathered then he bade cry silence and spake sons of tyr now hath an host of the romans gotten into the mark a mighty host but not so mighty that it may not be met few words are best let the steerings who are not many but are men well tried in war and wisdom abide in the burg along with the fighting thralls but let the burg be broken up and moved from the place and let its warders vent towards midmark but warily and without haste and each night let them make the wainguth and keep good watch but know ye that the romans shall fall with all their power on the wolfing dwellings deeming that when they have that they shall have all that is ours with ourselves also 
for there is the hall's son under the great roof and there hath theodolf our war-duke his dwelling-place therefore shall all of us save those that abide with the wains take horse and ride without delay and cross the water at battleford so that we may fall upon the foe before they come west of the water for as ye know there is but one ford whereby a man wending straight from the bearings may cross mirkwood water and it is like that the foe will tarry at the bearingstead long enough to burn and pillage it so do ye order yourselves according to your kindreds and let the shieldings lead make no more delay but for me i will now send a messenger to theodulf to tell him of the tidings and then speedily shall he be with us geirbald i see thee come hither now geirbald stood amidst the shieldings and when otter had spoken he came forth bestriding a white horse and with his bow slung at his back said otter geirbald thou shalt ride at once through the wood and find theodulf and tell him the tidings and that in no wise he follow the roman fleers away from the mark nor to heed anything but the trail of the foemen through the south-eastern hiffs of mirkwood whether other romans follow him or not whatever happens let him lead the goths by that road which for him is the shortest towards the defence of the wolfing dwellings lo thou my ring for a token take it and depart in haste yet first take thy fellow viglund the woodman with thee lest if perchance one fall the other may bear the message tarry not nor rest till thy word be said then turned geirbald to find viglund who was the knight to him and he took the ring and the twain went their ways without more ado and rode into the wildwood but about the weinberg was there plenteous stir of men till all was ordered for the departure of the host which was no long while for there was nothing to do but on with the war-gear and up onto the horse forth then they went duly ordered in their kindreds towards the head of the upper mark riding as swiftly as they might without breaking their array End of chapter eighteen